Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Micro businesses are my passion and in no small part because I run a couple myself. Micro businesses actually represent about a quarter of all businesses in Australia, which is a pretty hefty chunk of our business landscape when you think about it. Today's guest is a truly inspiring micro business leader with a swag of awards. Tina Tower opened her first business at the age of 20, and that went from being a small suburban tutoring centre and educational toy store to a licensed program and then a franchise. After five years of franchising, Tina opened 35 Begin Bright centres with 120 staff. After that business was acquired by an international education company in 2016, she started business coaching other people to scale their service-based businesses. Tina found herself repeating a lot of the same fundamentals again and again to people who are paying top dollar for private coaching. So she put the repetitive content into an online course and it went off. To put location freedom to the test, Tina set off to travel the world, obviously pre-COVID, for a year with her husband and two children, and they visited 28 countries, all whilst growing an online business in a couple of hours a day. Since returning from travel, her empire continued to grow, and it's been a revelation to her that this little online business that she runs from home with a couple of staff makes far more money and has such greater and wider impact than she ever did running a franchise company. Today, Tina lives on a small farm near me on the New South Wales Central Coast and from there helps people to develop and grow online digital business empires. Her niche is to help us micro business folks package our expertise into an online course and launch it out into the world. And of course, because that wasn't enough, Tina has now written a book, My Million Dollar Micro Business, How to Turn Your Expertise into a Digital Online Course. And in the few weeks since it's been launched, it has rocketed to number one on a number of global bookstore platforms. And it's my great pleasure to welcome Tina Tower to the politics of everything. Thanks, Amber. Hi. Hello. So tell me about your childhood career ambitions. Were you one of those people that always wanted to be a business owner, work in education? Like what did you think you'd be doing when there was little Tina? I love that. I thought it was just tell me about your childhood. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's not therapy, but it can be if you like. <laughs> um, my childhood ambitions. You know what? I wanted to be a teacher. I had great teachers uh, through school. And that is what made me love education. And I thought I would do that. And then I wanted to do it all through high school until about year 10. And then I had you know, a couple of teachers say, your marks are going to be too high. Why don't you look at something else? And so then I went through a stage of wanting to be a lawyer and then, <laughs> and then you know, looked at lots of different things, but ultimately found my way back to education. 
Absolutely. It's such a shame when teachers go, oh, your marks are too high, you shouldn't be a teacher, because I think it's such a an, a profession needs to attract the best and brightest and most passionate people. So that's sort of, you know, probably my rub when I hear those sorts of comments from, from people, but probably that's a bit of an old-fashioned view these these days as well and maybe yeah. we're encouraged to just follow the passion and, and not just look at the marks we get. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, like at that age, it's so hard. My sons are now becoming teenagers and doing that and there is a lot of pressure there and kind of deciding what do you want to be when you grow up and I just think you don't know like just pick the next thing see if you like it and then if you need to change like nothing's permanent change absolutely we can keep evolving yeah so micro businesses are often owned and operated I guess by self-employed individuals and may have no employees particularly in the beginning and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of you know everyone from freelance consultants like myself designers writers web developers life coaches personal trainers they're all great examples of micro businesses and the diversity that that sector attracts what are some of the biggest challenges that you see with such businesses burnout <laughs> Doing everything, um, doing it all at once, doing yeah, too much. Doing doing everything. I mean, you have to do everything at once at the beginning, right? Like you're, you're all the things. And I think that that's really essential at the start. I'm actually, you know, I go against the grain a little bit in, in outsourcing at the beginning because I think there's a huge amount of power in knowing how all the moving parts of business work as you grow and scale. But then I think sometimes we hold on too long and we get to the stage where we are literally consumed by our work and, you know, work way too many hours and forget why we got into business ownership in the first place and have a lot of problems letting go and allowing other people to help. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's that challenge when you when you are like bootstrapped in the beginning and if mm. it's sort of your first business and you don't got the backing of other experiences, you might think that you're going to make more money if you just do it all. But I, I've learned the hard way that's not the case. If you're not the IT expert, please just know enough to, to brief yeah. someone, but don't think you can solve all the problems. Yeah. And I mean, it never ends. Like I, I've just hired someone now and I had like a really good period of going, like we're full, we're, we're stretched to capacity, but I still looked at it and went, that's $80,000 a year. That $80,000 a year could either go to their family or my family. Yes. And it's that conscious choice. But I, I mean, I've been in business 17 years. I should know better. <laughs> going, well, by spending that $80,000, one, I buy time back, which is very, very important. But two, it's going to allow me to make at least an extra half a million, million dollars in the business. And I can't do that if I don't hire that person. But even with that, there's still a moment of going, oh, when you're seeing all that money, like committing to having that all going out. So I totally get it. But I do think it's probably the hardest part of a micro business is that how do we, how do we manage the growth and really scale while managing cash flow at the same time as well? Absolutely. It never ends. So micro business by definition is really the idea that, you know, in some ways a smaller hobby business for some people is how it starts. But obviously in Australia, we're a bit of a powerhouse, us micro businesses. And, you know, a lot of us might turn over not multi-million dollars but we do do well but we obviously don't employ a lot of people and micro businesses in some ways might only employ that one person or one or two like you've sort of mentioned you've done but you're all about this idea that then they can scale and even obviously the title of your book says million dollar micro business it just seems so at odds with how you think of a micro business traditionally so how is that possible with just keeping that smallness that small staff that kind of personal touch and I guess like you say that freedom not to have to work all day every day 
Yes. I think the freedom is a discipline (laughs) rather than a necessity. What do you mean Um, by that? uh, I mean, most of us that get really good at business love what we do. And, you know, when I talk to other business owners and I go, like, what's your hobby? What do you do for fun? The most common answer is my business. Like, what do you mean? Hobbies. (laughs) Yes. If you've got free time and it's looking at that choice in going, I could either go and do the gardening or go and do, you know, something hobby based or work on my business, which is going to grow my wealth, grow my, whatever it is that you're trying to grow. Most people are going to choose the business. So I think that to keep the freedom is actually a discipline in going, you know what? I've done enough. I can walk away. I can let go. I can stop now. A lot of us are suffering from work workaholicalism. Is that is that the you know, we're that workaholics. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really hard to step away from. But yeah, million dollar micro business, like how we scale that. And that's that's kind of why I chose the title of the book is micro business is often you know, thought of as or traditionally defined as a business with less than five staff, but also small turnover. And one of the biggest developments that I've seen in the last, especially the last kind of three to five years, is really a micro business now doesn't need to be capped on revenue Mm. because the technology, I mean, I've been in business a long time and what you can do now with systems and automation and all of the tech that we have at our fingertips that's so user-friendly is just you can do more as one person than what you used to need a team of eight to do. It's just it blows my mind. Every day I see new tech and see new things and go, this is just incredible what is available to us. And it's just it's never been easier to be able to grow and scale our expertise whilst keeping that small team and that freedom. So you've touched on this, obviously, in that answer, but the idea that that digital landscape has really helped, I guess, your own micro business grow and allow you to have that fabulous non-business travel time in that pre-COVID world, which Mm. feels like a long time ago, and I I guess that more time off the tools. And so what's your tip for knowing where to invest in this kind of digital landscape? Because I guess there's there's a lot out there and your book obviously gives us some great tips that may work for some businesses and not for others. Mm. I mean, do you have to fail first to know that's not the one for you or is there is there a way to do it smarter? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's so much a failure. I don't think anything's a failure. <laughs> I think everything kind of leads to its next thing. But I think with new things, we have to look at it as a curious experiment and go, like, do you like it? Do you not? I mean, I've had one client who, you know, they went into online courses and they had all their dreams come true, met all their goals, and then was like, you know what? I don't like I don't like it. I just don't want to do this with my day. I don't don't like the setup of it. And so, you know, we don't know sometimes whether it's going we're going to enjoy it or not until we actually do it. For me, you know, the business that I have now, I have never had this much fun in business ever. Like it's just What is it though? What's what's that secret sauce that you've got to in the micro business landscape that you oh, can say that? I think So for me, I was always geographically constrained was one. I had bricks and mortar locations when I had tutoring centers, but I was always very local. And when I looked at global expansion, it was this massive deal. Like we were talking to lawyers for trademarking and and different lease agreements and contracts and everything in, in different global landscapes and currencies. And it was just this big, big thing that needed 
highly paid accountants and lawyers and and all of this sort of stuff. Whereas now I have, I mean, one of my clients is in Bermuda. <laughs> it's lovely, like they're all over the world and it's just, it's so accessible and so easy. And so we're getting to connect people from all over the world with all different types of cultures and thinking and different things, but all have common goals of making a big impact with their knowledge and serving people and just coming together in this beautiful bubble where it's normal to be ambitious and generous and kind and amazing and smart and I just love it yeah I can feel the energy of how much you do love it in terms of the money because it does take money to set up any business no matter how Mm. big or small how much money do you think is the minimum someone would probably need to get that micro business going depending on the business of course and really what should someone invest in first and why what would be that sort of knowledge that you could transfer about that you know is it all about the website is all about the systems is it all about just you know kind of having a course idea and putting it out there before you even have the content ready. I mean, how would you how would you advise someone to do this? Yeah, great question. Look, it's so cheap <laughs> to start. Like $2,000 will get you going and that's not so bad either. Like that will get you going, but that's doing a lot of DIY. If you wanted to get people to do it for you in terms of the filming and setting up your website and graphic design, then about $10,000, which still for me, I mean, my first business was a retail educational toy store and a tutoring center, which I had $80,000 saved to start that up. And it went so bloody quickly. Yeah. Are you because <laughs> of the bricks and more? aspect, I guess. Yeah, just the jib rocking was like $10,000. And so now I see people like go to build like amazing websites and they're like, oh, $5,000, that's a lot. I'm like, oh my God, that's nothing. Like, come on, if you can't invest that, then, you know, you you should probably not, not be willing to do it. So I think, you know, if you're expecting big results, you need to invest both in infrastructure, in education, in software, in in all of those different things. But just to touch on, because you did say there, do you think I should like launch before you've got content? I hate that actually. <laughs> that's interesting. Oh, that's going to be controversial because we've had I other know. guests um, sort I of know. say that's the way to do it so you don't waste all this time filming all this content, content and then you get like 10 customers. I know. And it Why? Is Why do you hate it? Do you think it's disingenuous? I mean, what is it? So you? a couple of different things, not the disingenuity. Um, I A couple of reasons. One is if you sell something that you haven't created yet and people come in and you're like just ahead of the curve in terms of what a lot of people do is they sell it and then they're going to teach it live for that first round. So they'll drip the content and then the next week they'll drip the content. What if you get sick? What if your kids get sick? What like you just talk about pressure. Like it is just for me, I think too much pressure in terms of you just – what if something goes wrong? And then you can't deliver on that promise. You've let your customers down. It's just not, it doesn't vibe well with me. But then on the flip side, like what that leads to then is I also think in the online space, those who market well win. And a lot of the marketing comes from conviction and clarity of message. And you get that clarity of message by knowing exactly what you're talking about. And if you go through the trouble of actually defining your course, what your message is, each module, creating your downloads, filming everything, filming it, and then going, hang on, no, I need to add this. No, I need to change that. No, I need to do this. If you go through all of that, it's going to be so crystal clear in your mind. You know, 
oh my gosh, you finish it, you put it online and you go, this is like my best work. This is so high value. You're damn straight. You're going to sell it so much better because it's not this thing that you're half inside in your heart of hearts thinking, I don't even have this. <laughs> you know, you're going, this is amazing. Like my latest course that I wrote, that I just created, I created it. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever made. Now I can sell that so easily. Cause I'm like, you do this oh my gosh, the return will be incredible. If I hadn't created it yet, I wouldn't have that sense of conviction because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to create. Like I think it's going to be this, but I'm not sure. So I think it's kind of like that. And the thing is, it doesn't take much. So you can create something. If you start with a six-week course, it's not a huge amount of investment of time and money to create that. And if you do it and it doesn't sell as well as what you can, usually your first one's going to flop anyway. So it's not a real big indication of whether or not the market will like it. Usually your first launch, like people have these amazing expectations and going, I'm going to come out and I'm going to do a six figure launch. Yes. And you know, they sell like three people and they think they've failed, but it's, it's not like, it's just, no one knows what you're doing yet. Usually you get traction when you launch the same thing on the second or the third time is when it really starts taking off and you've got to be committed to that message. So I think, you know, if you know what you're really good at and it's what you're passionate about and you know it's really high value to the audience that you serve, go forth and make that thing because people will get on to that. Don't try and be one foot in, one foot out. I'll see if it sells. If it doesn't sell, I'll just change my mind and and do something different because you'll find you'll just keep chopping and changing to everything and coming up with a million different offers and none of them are going to sell very well. That's really interesting. And so, yes, that there's some food for thought for anyone who's listened yeah. to my previous episodes where we've had, <laughs> I guess, people who've either scaled businesses or are online experts in some capacity and they've been very much about I that. I know. <laughs> I have high debates and, with people about yeah, it. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating because I'm probably more like you. I'm much more committed to uh, this is this beautiful product. I've waited, I've, you know, it's my, my, my work, my summation of the past six months or however yeah. long it's been and here it is for the world and I, I want to see it almost perfect before it goes out, but it's sort of at odds with some of the entrepreneurial thinking, I suppose. And I guess some people are much more cavalier in their attitude to it, not because they're not going to deliver, but maybe they just really trust that they can do it, you know, really quickly at the same standard, which I probably don't feel like I could without the time and the, and the headspace. Yeah. So what do you love most about micro business? I mean, you've mentioned some of the things you've obviously had success in your franchise business for many years ago mm-hmm. and and sold that. I mean, what is it about micro business generally that, you know, makes your heart sing? You've talked about your your group that you meet with every week, but what else? What else do you love about it? Oh my god, so many things. I like the impact level. So before, like we we had tutoring centers and our whole goal was to to help children learn to read. We had a lot of kids that would come in in year three, year four that were struggling with reading that would be crying and going, I'm just so stupid and had no self-worth and all of those different things. And that was a lot of work to change that around and to make that impact. Every time we wanted to have a new student, like we had to hire the teacher and we had to exchange like that time for money in doing that. With the way that we run Million Dollar Micro Business is very much instead of time for money, it's it's time for value, like money for value. And so we're able to reach a lot more people, have a lot bigger impact without it being a straight time exchange from that. The other thing that I really love about it, and and this is probably not the kindest thing to say, but I bet you it's what most business owners are thinking, less humans is so nice. 
with my last company, we, we had 120 people employed under our brand and humans are complex and a lot of the job of when you scale a traditional business is actually just managing people and that was not my skill set. Um, oh, you're like me. It, I, I don't enjoy it at all. When I had an agency and I had lots of staff, I was less happy yeah. than running a much more leaner practice model. Yeah. And so I, when I started this business, I was like, okay, everything I've learned from the previous business, what, what is going to be my limitations? Like, where do I want to go to? And and what am I going to do to create, like keep the joy in the business? Cause I loved my last business until we got to about 20 locations. Once it got bigger than that, I really started to feel the joy kind of get sucked out of it. And so I was very conscious of when and, and what caused that to happen. And so this time I've said, you know what, I'll get to max six, seven staff and we'll get as big and as beautiful and as impactful as we can get with that. And that's it. I will not go bigger than that because I won't have any middle management issues. I won't have any, she's spending more time with me than her. Does she even <laughs> like me? And all the things that Office go on. I'm politics, like, basically. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I can handle six. Like six is, it feels like a family. It's a great cohesive team. Like we can do amazing stuff with six people. And that's, that will be my cap. Great to know. So who have been your greatest mentors? Are there one or two people that stand out and why have they had such an impact on your life? Yeah, I I am big into mentoring and, and coaching. Obviously, I'm in coaching myself, but I have had coaches right from the very beginning. So my first one was actually, I was very lucky with my introduction into mentors. So when I started my first business, about a year in, I saw what was then known as the Australian Business Women's Network, which was run by Susie Daphnis, now called Her Business. And I joined their mentoring program for a year and it was incredible and taught me all the business basics that I was then able to put into it. But every time I've had a business coach my entire 17 years in business. And every time, usually I keep them for a year to three years, four years is the longest I've had one. And when I want to go to the next stage and learn the next thing, I'll find the best person I can find in that area and then learn everything I can from them and then trade up and up and up. And I've had, like, there's been no at no point do I feel like I've got to where I've got on my own. I've had such beautiful humans that have pulled me up to their level with them and given been so generous with all of their information and introductions and expertise and there's just oh there's so many people that I owe <laughs> in in what what I have now yeah heaps and I'm sure you impact other people too so it always gets a bit of a pay it forward sort of thing I think with that kind of cycle as well of yeah. where you are in your business and your career yeah, totally. And it's like, I don't understand. I talk to so many people that go, you know, business coaching is just so expensive. I don't know if I can do that. And you know, my coach at the moment, I pay two and a half thousand dollars an hour too. So they're the highest paid coach that I have paid. That's that's a lot. It's I have a, to say, I'm yeah. going to put it out there, Tina, that is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Of course it's a lot, but they're at such a higher level than where I'm operating at that just the thinking differently and the different options and, the, and challenging, like they're super challenging and thinking very differently to me, which I love because it makes me really question my beliefs around different things and either helps me change my mind or reinforces the conviction that I have in my own beliefs. So I'm able to do that and absolutely zero doubt from the 12 weeks that that I'm doing with her that I will make 
three, four, five times back from my investment with that because it's allowed me to to figure out like just that different way of thinking that will make me go bigger. And so sometimes, you know, you have to invest in your education to to level up to that next level. Otherwise, we've just got like this feedback loop coming from our immediate circle and, and our own mind. And, you know, scrolling through Instagram does not an education make. <laughs> Oh, I agree. I, obviously, I'm I'm old enough to you know remember life way before any social media where that just wasn't your major influence in your life. It yeah. was definitely the humans and the people you worked with and yeah. choose, choose to bring into that circle yeah. from a physical sense rather than oh I'm going to follow someone and that's going to be it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I'm I'm right into private coaching, group coaching, and networking as well. Like I'm part of a lot of different business groups and have met some of my best friends through that. But all of that you know, just helps you to think differently and refine you and inspire you as well to to play bigger and go bigger and, and have that inspiration too, which is so valuable. Excellent. So a bit of fun here. If you could choose a favourite book, song or film, what would it be and why? Oh, song Power of the Dream by Celine Dion, Don't Judge Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bit of karaoke power ballad yeah, moment there. it's my psych out song. Book is uh, Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss or One Minute Millionaire by Mark Victor Hansen. And film, oh, film, I've got so many favourite films. I don't know. I'm a sucker for a really corny rom-com. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you gave me lots there. Some people just give me one. So there you go. You obviously <laughs> have thought thought a bit about that question. Just a final takeaway message for anyone wanting to navigate the politics of micro-business. Start is my thing. So while I disagree with the launch before you've created something, I do think way too many people you know, I'll talk to people that have been sitting on an idea for like two years and have had this dream kind of burning in them. And they're like, I don't know if I can do that or if that's for me or where I start. And sometimes it can seem this big, massive, overwhelming thing. Just take that one little step, that one next step, and then the next step and the next step. And that's what my book, Million Dollar Micro Business kind of spells out is to go, okay, start here and just do that one thing. Like, don't worry about the 150 things after, just do that one next thing, get a result, let your confidence grow, and then continue on. That's great advice. If you do want to connect further with Tina Tower, I've got some details on my show notes, but it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. And of course, I love micro businesses, so I could talk to you for forever about this topic. Um, yes. But I do appreciate your your knowledge and your time because um, it will save other people a lot of time and energy, I guess, once they decide to start, which is your big message. I that think, is for, definitely the for today. Plan. Yeah. And when you get the book, it's um, there's a whole heap of digital bonuses too. So you can go to milliondollarmicrobusiness.com and get all of those. Excellent. Well, you've been listening to the politics of everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.